Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inter Show. This time, um, this time of the season, obviously there aren't any Inter matches being played, so we ran a poll to see what our listeners would like over the summer, and the majority of them came back with um, with us one with wanting us to focus mainly on transfer news. Obviously, when the World Cup's played, we will touch off that. Um, I mean, I don't think you could do a football show without looking at the World Cup. Um, but uh, we're just going to get started here with the transfer news that's been happening during the week. Um, James, uh, are you there? Yes, I am indeed, Andrew. How are you? Good, you? Not too bad at all, thanks. And Anthony? James, Andrew, how are you going? Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming back. Um, the biggest transfer news, I suppose, is uh, that we're looking at a range of options for the midfield on the, in terms of the wings and in the centre of the park. Um, Simone Verdi has been mentioned, Justin Clivert, um, Kevin Strootman. Uh, Matteo Politano. I ran a poll on Twitter asking people which of these players they prefer um, into guard. Now, 46, sorry, 41% came back with Simone Verdi, 24% Justin Clivert, Kevin Strootman, 22%, and Matteo Politano, 13%. What's your reading of that situation, uh, Anthony? Yeah, I think um, I think we're looking at a few good options coming in over the summer. I think especially we are looking to strengthen that midfield. Um, I'd be happy with any of the options of Verdi or Politano. Uh, I think they'd be great additions to the side. I think, to be honest, I'd be more inclined to go for Chiesa for the right position because it looks like we are going to be phasing Kandreva out. A few rumours have started to surface that he might be looking to be shifted out, which I think the majority of the fans will be happy to hear. Uh, so I do think that we will need to bring in someone to cover that right-hand side quite efficiently because as talented as Jan Karamo is, he definitely can't be uh, made to be the main man on the right-hand side, especially with Champions League football. In terms of the midfield, I think my eyes are still very much on Rafinha. It would, I think I want him to come into the centre midfield of our, part, of our team more than anybody else. Um, but just recently, I've seen some more recent rumours surface about Rajan Ayangolan, and I think that would be a great signing for us, especially because I think, most importantly, Roma don't have the, the transfer power over us that they would have had last season. Last season, they would have been able to hold him accountable for 40, 45 million and play the Champions League card and basically bully us out of a transfer. But we've kind of got you know, one foot back in that sense that we can come back to them and say, look, he, he's on a declining age. He wants to come to our team. We might be able to pick him up for a decent price. What do you guys think about the transfer news? Personally, I, I'm, more in, I'm more of the thinking that we should be looking at players that are a maximum of 27, 28 um, and younger simply because we're building a project. We're not going to be Scudetto challengers um, next season. Now, Nangolan is um, is already thirty, and if you think that if you think about the project lasting at least a couple of years before we're right back to where we want to be, um, I I could see his age being a problem. That having been said, have, that having been said, um, obviously Juventus started their cycle with a much older player in Andrea Pirlo, um, so 
who am I to who am I to suggest that it couldn't happen with Nangle uh, and what's your thoughts, James? Um, yeah, I think Tarty's not not that old, really. Um, I'd say a lot a lot of teams do have successful teams tend to have a mix of older players and younger players. I mean, I've obviously people want to if you're building a team for a project like Inter have at the moment. You want a lot of younger players, but there's no harm having bringing somebody in like Nangolin. I mean, I think the figure being floated around for him is 30 million euro. So he's he's, he's yeah. quite a good player. He's, he can score goals. He, he's a very physical player as well. Um, I think it could be what our midfield needs. And us getting him, I think, would weaken Roma as well. So who our direct rival. Um, but I think it's an exciting time of the year. I mean, there's been so many different players been linked with. Over the last few days, it's nearly hard to keep up with it. I was even reading into this morning that um, Lewandowski might be leaving Bayern Munich and um, I said that Inter and Juventus were on high alert. So with the with the talk of a, a Cardi possibly leaving, I think Lewandowski would be a good player to bring in. I know he's a little, he's probably on the wrong side of 30 now, but I'm not sure I didn't check his age. But I mean, I think it's good to have a lot of experience, especially with the Champions League coming up. You need that mix, I feel. Yeah, um, I would I would agree with somebody like Lewandowski um, because we've got Lautaro Martinez coming in. He he obviously signed. Uh, he obviously formalised his deal during the during the week, um, and we're delighted to have him. So welcome, Lautaro. But with him, somebody like Lewandowski, I think could take the pressure off him for the first couple of seasons. And then as Lewandowski is getting older and is becoming more of a player that you can rely on from the bench rather than starting every match, hopefully Martinez would be of that age and experience then to take over that role. Um, I did notice in Gazeta this morning that there was talk about Memphis Depay coming from Lyon for around 30 million. Now, he's a, he's a winger. Um, and I think the idea would be, again, to replace Candreva with him. My only concern with that price for him is he's already been at a really big club. And despite playing very well for Leon this season, when he was at United, Manchester United before, he struggled. Um, so that would leave me asking questions about whether he can handle that sort of big club environment. This is similar with Justin Clivert. Obviously, Ajax are a huge club. Um, but the fact that he's only 19 and he's only played with no disrespect to the Dutch league, but um, it, it is several it is several standards below what we what you'd be looking at in Italy. Um, whether or not he could he could go in and hit the ground running as a replacement for Candreva, I'm not convinced. What would be your thinking on that, Anthony? Yeah, uh, once again, I echo what I said before about us not being ready to start Jan Karamor, say, for 38 games in and out in a Serie A season, let alone in a Champions League campaign. It doesn't seem practical or productive to bring in another player of that age bracket. We're looking for someone with a little bit more experience, a little bit more pedigree, someone who's ready to step it up to the plate and maybe bring a few leadership qualities to the dressing room as well. So I think we should be looking at someone a little bit more mature or at least just someone with a little bit more experience in Italy, which is why I wouldn't mind seeing us land Chiesa. A couple of people in the Australian community have said that they would be looking forward to seeing Chiesa 
So I'm not too sure what he's priced at at the moment. I think it's about the 50 to 55 million mark, which is ridiculous. But hey, that's the day and age that we live in. What do you what do you think about Chiesa for that right position? I my thinking with Chiesa um, would be, although again he is very young, um, he's basically played and performed for at the biggest level you can get in Italy until you reach the likes of Inter, Juventus, Milan, Roma, you know, the likes of Fiorentina, Lazio, arguably Sampdoria, um, are just slightly underneath that level. So it's not like as if he's making the leap from going from playing in a completely different uh, league where the standard of quality is not the same as it is in Serie A. You know, it is a pressure environment to play for Fiorentina. Not as big a pressure environment as it is at Inter, but it, it's still, it's still, um, it's still a hot. You know, it's still a hot, difficult place to to play and perform, performing where the fans expect the best out of you week in week out. Um, so I, I think he's already gained that experience that would help him there. What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, just take on your point, playing under pressure. Um, even though Dutch football mightn't be as good as what it once was, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure for Clyburn playing, playing theirs, get big crowds and stuff. But I think getting Chiesa would be a no-brainer. Um, but the only thing I worry about is the um, is the prices. Anthony was saying I was where I was reading it. It was nearly sixty million euro. I think, well, like that's the current transfer market, I suppose, and. The fact that Champions League football clubs are going to put the prices up a little bit, knowing that Inter have a little bit more cash to spend. So, but yeah, definitely Chiesa would be a no-brainer for me. I mean, he's a quality player and like you said, he's proved against very high and now is his time, I think, to step up to one of the big clubs. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think it was, I think we have to remark on Spalletti's speech during the week. Um, one of the things that came out of it, one of the first things that came out of it was he said um, we can't buy Cancelo and Rafinha immediately. But looking at the news that came out yesterday, um, there's still hope there because Rafinha has basically um, stated that he wants Inter and only Inter. Um, and Valencia are struggling to find any um, major clubs who are interested in Cancelo. I can't believe that, but it was reported in yesterday's press the other thing with Spalletti was Spalletti said that there was um, there were falsities uh, during the transfer market last year. Things were promised to him. Things were promised to the fans that never materialised. Um, he was due to sign a contract extension, but I think he's really laid down the gauntlet to the club and said, look, whatever about what happened last year, you have to back me this year and you also have to be honest with the fans. And I really think that subliminally he's saying, look, you've got to do it or I'm gone. I think we really have to keep him happy. You know, stability is something that's been lacking at this club for far too long. Uh, we finally seem to have got a bit of stability in terms of the owners. Uh, we, you know, Sonning have um, Sonning, Sonning are developing their role within the club, especially with Stephen Zang being in Milan all the time. Um, 
But if we were to lose our manager, then I think that stability goes out of the window. Did, what did you make of his comments, James? Yeah, I mean, I was I was very very impressed with him coming out and being so honest about it. And he laid down a gauntlet to the owners basically and said that he wasn't well, like you said, subliminally, but he's he's not really accepting what happened last. The fact he was promised much in the transfer budget, I think it was 150 million he was saying, and that never materialised. Um, so yeah, I think the club needs a good, strong leader like him, someone that's not willing to just lie down for the owners and accept all the blame when things go wrong. I mean, that's showing real leadership standing up to him. Um, so hopefully, hopefully this season they will give him the money that he needs to spend and he can prove just and build upon what he's already done. I mean. They didn't have near that much money and for half the season they were leading to Ria, so he's proved that he can do it and I was very happy with his comments. He's honestly man. What did you make of it, Anthony? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Going back to what Andrew said before about Inter being a high pressure club, Inter is a very high pressure club. You know, Spalletti has not looked happy once since signing for our club. Neither did Mancini and neither did any of the other managers since post Mourinho. It's just been every every manager has looked like they have not been enjoying themselves whatsoever because of the pressure. And the fact that Spalletti could overcome that pressure this year and overcome the hurdle that was, you know, the owners not really sticking to their word and still make the champion Champions League, he really does deserve one hundred million percent backing of the board and Sunning and everybody in charge. In my opinion. Uh, just a few statistics uh, came out during the week. Um, the Serie A opted, opted obviously, the, opted the statistics guru for um, sport, I think, all around the world at this stage, particularly football. Uh, the Serie A opted all Italian 11, 2017-2018, included um, D'Ambrosio, which I thought was fair enough, and Candreva, which I was very surprised at. And it's been reported on FC Inter News this morning. Uh, Candreva's crosses during the whole of the season was um, was were only 20% successful. So I think if that's the best Italy has in that position, Mancini's got his work cut out. I mean, he started well with a win against uh, Saudi Arabia on Monday, winning 2-1, Balotelli scored. The big talking point from that game, though, is the, I think, is the absolutely disgusting banner that was put up. Balotelli is being mentioned, um, the speculation that um, everything went dark for a moment, so uh, apologies for that. I was talking about the um, Italy and Saudi Arabia match and the big talking point from it really, I think, being the absolutely disgusting banner that was put up um, making reference to Balotelli. The Balotelli, the speculation that he is going to become the vice-captain of Italy and some absolute idiots, I don't think there's any other word for them, put up um, a banner which said, my captain has uh, Italian blood. Now, what Italian blood is, I don't know, because I'm Welsh, James is Irish, Anthony is Australian, but I'm fairly sure if any of us cut ourselves, we all bleed red. 
Um, it, it's it, it's about time football really stood up on this. Uh, Balotelli himself put out a message on his Instagram saying, "Lads, it's uh, 2018. Wake up, please. Enough." Um, but Balotelli shouldn't have to come out of the, on this on his own. This should be for the whole of football to come out and condemn. And it puts me in mind of when Nigel Owens, the international rugby referee, um, he's one of the few sports people, Nigel Owens, to have come out as um, gay. And uh, at a match at Twickenham, he was abused by um, a couple of prats who uh, were hurling homophobic abuse at him. Rugby very quickly identified um, who was responsible and banned um, the people involved for two years. The time has surely come for football to uh, react in a similar way to this. I mean, I wouldn't have any issue with banning these people for, for life for this kind of thing. Some people might say that that's a bit, um, that's a bit draconian. But having said that, certainly banning them for a substantial length of time, I think, has to be looked at. Uh, James, what was your thinking on it? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, that sort of, those sort of comments and behaviour has no place in society, let alone at a football match. And unfortunately, even though it is 2018, we still see that in the underbelly of society. And I'm just, I'm particularly worried about it, especially with this um, World Cup coming up that's in Russia. Um, there's been a lot of fear, especially in the British media, about their their black footballers going to get a lot of abuse over there. And I think, unfortunately, this won't be the last we hear this summer of um, idiots who just seem to be living in the Stone Ages. And Anthony, did you? I know that you um, you have family connections to Italy. Um, what's so? You probably have a closer relationship with the Azzurri than we do. What's your take on it? Yeah, well, both my parents, um, being Italian, I have a very close connection to the Azzurri. I would say I, I tend to support the Azzurri more than I do the Australian Socceroos. So it's a very awkward time at the moment, to mm-hmm. say the least, for this World Cup. But, um, you know, it, as bad as it is to see and as hateful and vindictive as it is to see, I don't think any of us are surprised. This just seems to be a current trend in football, whether it's the banners, whether it's the bananas thrown on the pitch. It's just some some acts that aren't really dealt with properly in terms of punishment. So what you said before, banning them for life, you said it's a bit extreme. I'd, I'd say it's actually them getting off quite cheaply, to be honest. Banning them from football should be the absolute bare minimum. Because, you know, as James said, it's got no place in society, let alone our sport. I just will comment on Balotelli, though. You said he was going to be named vice-captain. I think it's a great decision. I've seen a lot of um, Azuri fans come out online and say it's a poor decision because, you know, he's a little bit immature or he's unprofessional. He's just not, he's not fit for the job. But to be honest, Italy is at the bottom of the barrel at the moment in terms of the national team. We're about to enter a World Cup and we're not there, which is the single biggest embarrassment in our national team's history. So I think the most immature and unprofessional people, that being the board and Ven- Ventura, they are finally out. And I'm all for Mancini putting his faith in Balotelli, to be honest, because, yeah, it can't get any worse than that. I died echo that. I mean, I also think that Balotelli, since he's gone, to, since he went to France, 
since he went to play for Nice um, has really settled down. He still does the odd daft thing, and I think that's his uh, that's his personality. But it's certainly not anything um, remotely approaching the the levels of his behaviour in the in the past. Um, and how long do you condemn somebody for their behaviour? And I actually think that given that this is going to be a building project for Italy, this is going to be a project um, where young uh, young players are going to have to be brought into the team. In some ways, what better role model than Balotelli, um, who's you know finally has matured, to turn around to these players and say, look, don't make the mistakes that I did. I wasted X number of years of, of, of my career um, before I got to where I am now. Uh, I mean, he's still been a hugely successful footballer, uh, but he could have achieved so much more. And I just think that for young players, that that's the kind of role model that sometimes they need. Uh, Opta also did an under twenty three Serie A team of the of the season, um, and Skriniar was in in that. Um, I think that's an absolutely deserved reflection on his uh, on his season. De Vrij's obviously coming in. We have Skriniar. Renakia seems to be confident playing under Spalletti, and now Miranda is likely to sign a contract um, extension. Which means that we, the club is club feels that we're very strong in those centre back positions. Now, I would uh, I would agree with that. Um, Jay sent in a question: What about the possibility of moving Skriniar to defensive midfielder? Brozovic improved so much when Spalletti paired him with Gagliardini. Maybe Skriniar moves up to midfield. I, I disagree with that. Um, I disagree with that simply because I think Grinja is so strong at centre back. I think he has to be the rock that you build this team on next season. Also, Brozovic and Gagliardini looked as if they've created a really good partnership between them, um, which is which is something that you don't want to discontinue next season. I would say in midfield, it's more the attacking role that we need to get nailed down than anything to do with defensive positions. Um, Anthony, would you move him into that position or would you remain as things are? No, definitely not. I see him absolutely leading the back line with all power and might next season and being our rock and, you know, being someone that we think to ourselves, if we can really make him love us as much as we love him, perhaps he'll wear the armband soon. Perhaps he'll stay here for a long time. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. The guy's been at our club for one year and we've already had bids from Manchester United, Manchester City, Real Madrid and inquiry from Barcelona. They're willing to pay huge, huge money for him. I won't be surprised if his release clause is activated, which is actually set at a very low 65 million. But to be honest, release clauses, in order to be activated, the player themselves has to want to go. And Milan has made it very clear that he wants to stay here. He's happy here. And when we made the Champions League, that was just the icing on the cake. So I have no doubt that he's here for another season. And it's really up to us to work with him and with those expectations 
um, in terms of being stocked up at the back, I'm very happy to go into next season. I was very happy to hear that Miranda had signed a contract extension. I know he's getting on in his days, but he, he just seems so reliable. And to have him for another year to add to that depth in the Champions League, you know, some fans think he should. He thinks he should still be starting next season, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, I guess we could play with three centre-backs and that would mean playing with two wing-backs in Asamoah and Cancelo, which I also think would work. So, as you said, I think we are pretty stocked up in terms of the defensive side of things. That is if we can redeem Cancelo, which is a whole other issue. But, yeah, definitely time to focus on an attacking position and a midfield position because I'm happy with the way we look at the back. Yeah, Matteo Slander um, sent in a question, will they move to a back three he said it's not ideal for the profile of these defenders. Only De Vrij has really thrived in that system. Um, Fabio Galante was talking on Interline, uh, a weekly radio show on Era MHG Sports in Italy. Um, and he was saying that the, the, the issue that he could see is um, that we don't have a left-footed. Uh, we don't have a left-footed centre back, or predominantly left-footed centre back. Um, whereas, with say, for example, Juventus that do operate at times with a three-man defence, Chiellini is left-footed, so that suits uh, their personnel. Whereas he felt it didn't suit. Um, it didn't suit Inter. What What's your reading of that question, James? Yeah, personally, I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh, playing a three man or three centre backs. Um, I suppose if you don't have a left sided one or a left footed centre back, it could leave you a little bit exposed. Um, well, I think the fact um, Anthony touched upon it, it gives us a lot of options. Um, the fact that we're that the Vry has come in and that Miranda has signed a contract or is, is looking to sign a contract. I mean, it means we can play a three man defensive if we want to. It also gives for midfield, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be um, a big fan of, of playing three-man defense. I think it leaves, it can leave you very exposed on the wings if you got attacking, attacking wing backs, and if there's a counter attack against you, it's just not, just not a personal favorite of mine. You guys might disagree. I, I would be more in favor of a, of, a, of the flat back four. Yeah, I have to admit that, um, Anthony. What what's your favourite defensive style? I I definitely go with the back four. Um, as James said, it, it gives us the option this season, and that's that's what I mean. It gives us the option if we were to play with the three man defence. But I'm still definitely in favour of a back four because I think our defensive improvements this year were the really really big improvements that we made. So we definitely shouldn't be changing that part of our winning formula. Yeah, Aaron P. Mamoliti sent in a question or a comment rather. Um, we still need a fifth defender, a Lopez type, to compete on three fronts. I I, I understand where he, I understand completely where he's coming from on that, um, and I'd agree with him. But I would be probably of the mind that we should look at who could be that fifth defender from the primavera side so that, so that we're kind of so that we're promoting players through the ranks rather than constantly looking to um to buy buy in people particularly when you're talking about a, a fifth defender um and uh, 
you know, somebody who's not going to play play that often. Give so I would I would be in favour of giving the the younger players um, an opportunity. Another big story that uh, came out was uh, came out yesterday. I'm not sure how much this is hot air from the press, um, how or how much reality there is to it. Uh, about the Higuain and Icardi swap deal that uh, Higuain would come from Juventus to Inter um, plus 60 million in cash and Icardi would go the other way. I've spoken um, in previous weeks about this being a possibility with the likes of Benzema from Real Madrid um, and that, that deal was mentioned in the summer with uh, Benzema coming to us and Icardi coming, going to Real Madrid and there being cash um, involved in being paid to Inter. Uh, in terms of Juventus, I'd be honest with you, I just don't trust them. I don't trust, I just don't trust them that um, if Higuain, if they're looking at getting rid of Higuain, I understand from, you can apply the same argument to Benzema with Real Madrid. But if Juventus are looking to get rid of Higuain, then I'm pretty certain they've seen something in Higuain that they don't like anymore. Uh, and I don't think they would be offering Higuain to Inter if they genuinely thought Higuain was um, capable of offering anything to Inter during the, during the next season. I ran a poll on it. It's still ongoing at the moment. Um, but 86% have said not in a million years. 10% have said, if it, uh, yes, if you pay up the cash. And 5% have um, said it's a great deal. Let's do it. I think that's pretty reflective of the vast majority of Inter East not wanting to go ahead with that deal. What would be your view on it, Anthony? To be honest, I actually think there's nothing to it. I actually think it's all media speculation. I don't think there's any substance to it whatsoever. I don't think in a million years Icardi would even think of joining Juventus. Those were real tears in his eyes when he walked off that pitch um, at the, uh, against them at the end of the season. He's It's definitely not going to happen, in my opinion. I think it's all very fabricated. To say that you don't trust them is, is an understatement as well. It's, yeah, absolutely not. And James, would you look at that kind of a deal? Um, definitely not if it was um, a deal with Juventus. I mean, I take your point, Andrew, that it's very similar between Benzema and Higuain. They're both on the wrong side of 30 and they're not as prolific as they once were. I could stomach it if it was seeing um, Icardi playing for Real Madrid. We have Benzema, but I just don't think I could stomach um, seeing him in the Juventus jersey. And I think Anthony's very right. I don't think there's much to it at all. I think it's no. just early days in the transfer window and they're trying to create headlines and sell newspapers. And I, to be honest, I think he caught these uh, sentiments towards Juventus uh, are pretty clear for everybody to see. Uh, even if he was to think about leaving um, Inter, I think, I mean, I think Anthony touched off this. I think Juventus is the last club that Icardi would um, go to. Icardi has really kind of shown himself as not being a fan of Juventus. Um, so whilst I could see the likes of Real Madrid, 
Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain being possible destinations for him, I simply can't see it with um, with uh, with Juventus. Before yeah, we get, so. sorry, go on, Anthony. I think they're scared, to be honest. Sorry, I think they're a little bit scared, to be honest. If I'm Juventus. talking about Juventus, I think I think they can see a potential decline coming here in terms of quality. And you can only need to look at the team that Conte had in terms of what they're lining up with now in midfield and an aging backline. You know, I know I'm hopping on early here, but I, as much as I hate Juventus every season, I'm the first Inter fan to put my hand up and go, this is going to be a one-sided season again. Juventus will do it again. But to be honest, I, I think they're a little bit scared. I think they can see something is shifting here. A cult figure like Buffon leaving is huge. Chiellini is, what, 34 now. He will decline. A lot of the elements of what the culture has been in the club is starting to exit. They do do very good transfer business, though, so I expect them to be active, but... I'm optimistic and I think they're scared. Hopefully. <laughs> um, before we get into, before I was in the year on the club, get into real um, transfer business in terms of players entering the club, we've got to make 40 million um, of Plus Valencia before the 30th of June to satisfy the settlement agreement um, with UEFA for the fair play regulations. Uh, the club's looking at selling young players with options to buy them back. For example, Pina Monti, um, also Nagatomo. Club wants the club wants uh, six million. Galatasaray, I think, are looking at something nearer to three million. Condogbia um, was a plus Valencia selling him to uh, to Valencia. Uh, almost sounds like a pun, but. Uh, that, that was only a plus Valencia of um, 2.5 to 3 million. Dalbert going to Monaco on loan um, is uh, there's supposed to be a 3 million uh, euro element to that. And Idea could also be looking at going to Valencia. Valencia are interested in him. And it could be one thing that unlocks the Cancelo deal. That uh, that having been said, I'm really infused uh, at least by this part of the the way the club's doing business. It's it's a big ask to make forty million of plus Valencia because that doesn't that doesn't simply mean that you sell um, that you sell a player for forty million and that's it done. It has to be forty million against what the club is currently paying off against that player. So as people will probably know, clubs tend to spread the payments for players um, across a number of years. So let's say, for example, you sell um, you sell Nagatomo for, five, let's say it's 5 million. Nagatomo's been at the club so long that it's probably zero. Um, what the club is paying on him at the moment, so that's five million that goes straight into the uh, into the plus Valencia quotient. If you sell um, Dalbert, for example, that I think was bought for around thirty million uh, last summer, if you sell him for forty, then um, which I think is a fair stretch, but let's just go with it then the plus Valencia would probably be in and around 12 to 15 million. So it's not an easy thing to do. But the fact that the club 
um, is so organised about it and he's looking at selling young players rather than offloading um, significant team mem- first team members. I think it's a really positive step forward in terms of how the club is being run. How do you think that this can be accomplished, Anthony? Do you think that the way the club is going is right or do you think we'll have to sell a major player? No, I, I think the way they're doing it is right. I, I trust in the project and I've just had a little look at our figures. I, I have to admit, I don't know much about this sector of, of football. And I, there are many holes for me. But I was just having a looking, uh, sorry, just having a look recently about how Suning has turned around some of our finances and how we're in the green and how some revenue has gone up. You know, with the Champions League, of course, that helps and we're only going to get more exposure. But in terms of our meeting, um, these transfers and selling young players, I agree. I think it is a step in the right direction because I think we do have a little bit of depth in that young department and, you know, need be we'll just have to develop some more younger players and have our Primavera step up a little bit. But I think selling at young players is definitely the right direction if it's going to help us reach those fair play regulations and mean that we redeem our important transfer targets, which have become the most important part of the off-season. And James, what's your reading on the situation? Yeah, I think I agree with Andrew that they're, they're doing very good business. And I mean, they've had all season for this to come up, so I'm sure they've got um, a very, very uh, cohesive plan in place. Um, I think the, um, the, I think the way it works is it's the amortised value of the players. So I think like the young guys would have, would basically we have, wouldn't have spent anything on them, and then whatever value we get or cash we get for them, like I said, would be directly for it. And I think of putting in um, a buyback option in the sale. I think would be we're not really losing the talent. Then it's just we're clearing the financial fair play for the moment and then next season or a couple of seasons down the line, if that player starts to shine, then when we're out with financial fair play, we can buy the player back probably at a higher rate. But I think that's a, it's a much better option than having to sell off one of your stars, such as a Cardi, just to make financial fair play. I don't think anyone at the club would like would want that option. Um, just touching very quickly off Icardi, the, uh, he's not got... People will know, but he's not going to the World Cup. Um, personally, I think that's an advantage because you'd imagine that he comes back fresher. Then um, another story during the week that kind of touches with Inter's uh, past is that there's been a fallout between Antonio Cassano and Andrea Stramaccioni. Cassano basically came out out of the blue in midweek and said um, that Stramaccioni was the pers- worst person he's ever met, that he uh, he he's, uh, he isn't a truthful person, um, and so on and so forth. Stramaccioni hit back saying that uh, Cassano is telling, uh, is telling lies, um, and that something that Cassano said, Cassano said that they uh, nearly came to blows Stramaccioni said that that was absolutely wrong. And what had happened was um, Cassano had felt that Stramaccioni was going to get rid of him. Um, So he held a meeting amongst the players to try and create a situation where Stramaccioni had to walk to get uh, Mazzari in because he felt that Mazzari would take uh, his side. 
Mazzari came in and got rid of uh, Cassano. I think, to be honest, uh, Cassano is someone who's gone around various clubs and has created trouble almost everywhere that he's been. Um, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that he's uh, lying, but I'm more inclined to believe Stramaccioni's um, side of the story because I've never heard anything bad about Stramaccioni. Uh, Stramaccioni isn't somebody who goes into the press and starts uh, talking badly about other people. He tends to keep himself to himself. Um, we all know about uh, Cassano in the past. Uh, I just think it's another. It's just another Fantantonio uh, situation, and I also question why he's suddenly come out with it now rather than talking about it more at the time. Um, James, did you follow that at all? Yeah, I was reading a little bit, a little bit up on it. Um... Yeah, I think Cassano has caused problems everywhere he's been. And um, like you said, I don't think there's ever been any story come out about Stramanchoni questioning his character. I mean, you could question how his football worked out, but I've, I've never heard anything about his character. Um, yeah, I just think it's maybe just a slow news cycle and maybe it was just an off-the-cuff comment from Cassano and the media have made something of it. And Stramanchoni felt he had to come out and defend himself. But like, like you said, um, Andrew will be more inclined to be believe Stramaccioni to be honest Cassano's had a lot of history of saying things about people which were embellishing the truth to say the least so what was your take on that Anthony or did you see any of it yeah I'd have to agree Cassano's been given so many platforms and opportunities to shine so many great clubs have given him an opportunity because they saw that the talent was there but the attitude just hasn't been consistently and when you're consistently like that from start to finish in your career I don't I don't think you should really expect anybody to believe what you say so I agree I'd I'd be more inclined to believe St- Stramaccioni for sure um we changed our we changed our logo uh we changed our logo during the last couple of days um that was given that was created for us and uh given to us by a um, one of our listeners which we're really grateful for um it, it, it's a superb logo and all three of us have commented how and how impressed we are by it um during the summer we're going to run i think because of the 100 it's been the 110th year of inter running a best 11 poll on Twitter over the summer. Um, each week we will put a poll up on um, Twitter with, I think, three suggestions of players for each position um, and an, an option for another. So, for example, if the three players aren't your, aren't your choice for that position you can leave a comment um, with the player's name and we can include those in the final tallies as well. Um, and then when we've, we've, we've all 11 positions in towards, I suppose it will be late August uh, when, we get, when we're finally through it, Anthony, James and myself will give our own views on that. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Um, you know the podcast has grown far more quickly than I think any of us imagined it would. 
We, in the last week, we've hit in and around 300 listens and we've got about 250 followers on uh, on Twitter now, which is which really makes the podcast that much more worth, uh, worth doing. Just touching on other news, um, the under-15 team, uh, our under-15 team is into the final four which is great news. The Primavera was already, is already at that stage, um, so it shows that the youth, the youth sector at Inter continues to go from strength to strength. Um, in history, uh, in the last week, the 27th of May, um, reminds us of, in 1964, Inter's first European Cup triumph, um, 3-1 against Real Madrid, with goals from Mats- two goals from Mazzola, one from Milani, um, and this will be a sore point for James because he's also a soft spot for for Liverpool. Um, but again, in the uh, in in the month of May, uh, nineteen sixty-five, we beat Liverpool three nil. Um, sorry. No, that's the I, sorry. That's the semi-final. Um, the twenty-seventh of well, still a soft spot for James anyway. The twenty-seventh of May, nineteen sixty-five, Inter beat Benfica in the um, the European Cup final to complete back-to-back triumphs and also give the club its second um, its second European Cup win with a goal from Jair. Uh, James. What's your what's what's your view on that uh, historic week or both of them falling on the same day? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's coincidence that we're on the same day. But yeah, I've watched um I've watched lots of videos on those old Inter games, especially the one against Liverpool. I think Liverpool had dominated the uh, the match at Anfield and in the semi, and then they went back and Inter managed to overturn it. So I think they were both very good teams. Then obviously Inter had one two back to back. And Liverpool were starting to build their European pedigree at that stage. So, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of footage of that and a lot of fun memories of watching those old videos. Yeah, I think um, I think we've all watched we've all watched um, a lot of matches from the past, um, and it always strikes me how different footballers uh, become over the years. How much how much faster it is. Now, but uh, arguably, perhaps there was a bit more skill involved um, back then. Uh, Anthony, what's what's your view on that? Yeah, definitely, could agree that there was some more skill back then rather than athleticism, because you just see how advanced the athletes are these days. You really can't compare in terms of physicality and just stature in general. So, I definitely agree there. In terms of the old European successes. Um, all I've really seen is the videos. I've seen many of the highlights and they were great. And just echoing what James said before, I really like that story. I absolutely loved overturning the result against Liverpool. It's really special. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it from for this week's episode. Uh, thanks to Anthony, thanks to James, and I'll sign off with uh, Forza Inter. And this week's chant is Forza Inter Faccion Gol. The words are Forza Inter, eh, eh, Forza Inter, eh, eh, come on Inter, come on Inter, eh, Forza Inter Faccion Gol, 
Coman Interscoracol, Ed Nord Ketelo Kiede, and it's the Nos, the Curva Nord, that asks you, E Fossa Inter Fachungol, Coman Interscoracol. And until next week, here is the chant and Fossa Inter. <laughs>